This is Frontlines of Freedom, a podcast that journeys into the stories of courage, resilience, and the hope of people who bravely defied dictatorships in defense of freedom. I'm your host, Ivan Mawarire. My own story of fighting for freedom led me through years of prison and torture. But I found the strength to keep standing. At Renew Democracy Initiative, where I serve as Director of Education, we are working to pull the democracy of the free world and the globe from the brink. So join us on the front lines of freedom. Welcome to the inaugural podcast of the Frontlines of Freedom brought to you by Renew Democracy Initiative. My name is Ivan Mawarire, and I'm a democracy activist from Zimbabwe. A couple of years ago, I embarked on a journey that I never ever thought that I would find myself in the middle of, and that was the journey of speaking truth to power. I stood up as an ordinary citizen and refused the kind of governance that was being handed down to me and refused to accept that I could not be a free person in my own country, Zimbabwe. And so I challenged the then dictator, Robert Mugabe. For that, I was thrown in prison. I was beaten, tortured, and I was charged with treason and faced over 80 years in prison. I managed to escape Zimbabwe, and I went back even after being free and safe and was further brutalized, arrested on arrival. Eventually, I left Zimbabwe, but I've continued the fight for democracy, not just in Zimbabwe, but across the world. Because let's face it, folks, we are at a time where democracy needs all hands on deck. My undying belief is that good will always overcome evil. As a pastor, I never lose hope in the ability of individuals who take it upon themselves to effect change. And today, I'm hosting one such individual, an amazing young lady who put her own life in danger, but more importantly, who saw the value of fighting for freedom in Nigeria. She goes by the name DJ Switch. And in a moment, she'll tell her story. At a time when young people were fed up at the way that the government was treating young people, police brutality, open abuse and corruption, Young people stood up and said, enough is enough. They began to protest. And at one such protest, something tragic happened and sparked a movement. A moment turned into a message and rallied thousands of young people. But we're going to hear that today. And we're going to draw hope. We're going to look at our own freedom, our own democracy, and think about what we are supposed to be doing? What is our duty in this time? DJ Switch, thank you so much for joining me here today on the Frontlines of Freedom podcast. I could not think of a better person to be my first guest here today. And I want to thank you for agreeing to speak with us and to tell us your story today. So welcome. Thank you so much, Evan. You know, while you were speaking, I had two thoughts. The first being that I'm incredibly sorry for everything you've had to go through. And the second, which is a complete opposite thought, is how good you sound. And I was saying, you know, he, he should be on radio, you know. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, coming from Nigeria, mm. this is how we have to be. You can almost see how easy it was for me to think about 
a tragic situation that you had to endure and at the same time think about something light you mm. know like how mm. good you sound mm. nigeria for the longest time has been dealing with human rights abuse on a scale that would completely blow the minds of many people in much more civilized countries and i say this intentionally much more civilized countries okay we have had to see day in day out how young people are killed tortured you know how villages are just bombed like orlu in the east you know how terrorism and banditry and the new one they call a known gunman you know are kidnapping and killing people in the north it is insane and so to see these images and hear these stories every day it seems like we've developed a sort of a thick skin and this fatigue you know while we are in pain we quickly look to the next thing that can put a smile on our faces that's right it's amazing to me how similar the responses to brutality are in nigeria as they are in zimbabwe which is this attempt to find a release of it through humor or through making fun of ourselves just a way to cope you know with it and i think it speaks to a much kind of a larger effect of brutality or the much larger effect of having been oppressed for for years is the sense that i don't know whether i can do anything about this and so we just turn to laughter we turn to humor but i want to focus on nigeria where you were from sure and you go by the name dj switch that says a lot about probably what you do do you want to just tell us very quickly what do you do who is dj switch where does that name come from <laughs> well i think the first clue is in the name dj and i'm an artist as well a songwriter a creative producer i'm a public speaker as well you know i've always loved music mm-hmm. and the name switch was so appropriate because i could sing and i could rap you know and i could just pick up a dj console and start mixing music you know and at the same time you see me doing something completely different from arts so yeah i mean i do remember a couple of years ago i was so like interested in designing websites and stuff like that so i put my passion and time in anything i love to mm. do So yeah, that's who I am. I'm from Enugu State, which is in the eastern part of Nigeria, but I was born in Delta State, Warri to be precise, which mm-hmm. is in the south region of Nigeria. Now, this is really interesting for me because DJ Switch, you just said that your ability to switch from one aspect of your talent to the next. A switch happened in your life. I want you to tell us about the state of Nigeria over the years up to where Nigeria found itself in this moment where something happened and you found yourself in the middle of this happening tell us about that what was nigeria like what was the feel what were young people feeling what was happening i was born at a time in nigeria where we had military rule and growing up in that sort of environment i remember my dad you know my dad he's passed away now but i would remember how he would tell us you know how to behave when we're out on the streets you know what to say don't say this about this person mind what you talk about 
the general we had as the leader because we had to live in this sort of state of fear. And so I'm not new to that type of, should I say, environment in a way. Mm-hmm. And then coming off of that military rule or era, you know, we now have <laughs> what I personally don't like to call a democracy, but just for the sake of conversation, a democracy. But still, there are traits of that sort of like military background, at least what I understood growing up. Mm-hmm. That sense of fear is like what one person says is what goes. You know, our opinion, our thoughts, our suggestions didn't matter. And so in more recent times, I could tell you for a fact that leaving your house mm-hmm. was the most dangerous thing you could do. Just the uncertainty of going out and not knowing if you will come back. You're talking here about just ordinary citizens, right? Yeah, ordinary citizens, especially young people. You know, leaving your house is dangerous to do. You're trying to get to work. You know, you want to go to the market, whatever it is, even if you want to go to the nightclub, have a good time. It's a dangerous thing to do in present day Nigeria. Now, one would think that staying at home should be much safer, but I could point to you different stories of people who have been in their homes and a stray bullet just came and killed them there. We've got people in positions of power who are more interested in maintaining and holding on to that power so desperately at the expense of our lives. Young people are crying every day. And when I say position of power, you know, one might think, oh, you're talking about a president or a governor. You know, I'm also talking about the policeman who has a gun in his hand. That gives him another sense of power that he or she thinks they have. And so you could step out of your house and be faced by policemen or women who would extort you, beat you, lock you up for no reason, shoot you. You could be faced by um, kidnappers. You know what I mean? It's so much that my brain is running all over the place, just trying to give you a coherent answer. It's all over the place. The recent train attack, you know, people coming from the north down to the west were attacked. And a young doctor, you know, her name is Chinolu. She passed away. She had tweeted when that day saying that I've been shot. Oh. I've been shot. And I hope we do talk about people too, because we also are in a position of power. And I'll explain that in, in a brief moment. And this girl, unfortunately, has passed away. It's not just the only one. Every single day we hear someone being attacked, policemen and women, you know, attacking young people. We've got the Financial Crimes Commission, EFCC, who are now acting like armed robbers. You know, they break into people's homes in the middle of the night. No search warrants, just position of power. I can do what I want to you. Wow. Wow. And then we have like a governor, for instance, if I were to spotlight Lagos, who could come out and do some photo op situation, address issues that will make them look good. The same issues that they saw online. But when we complain and say we're being harassed, we're being killed, we're being brutalized, they act like they don't see it. DJ Switch, you were talking to me about things that are happening in Nigeria right now, aren't you? I'm talking about things that are happening right now, as we speak even. I can almost bet you everything I have right now that if I picked up my phone and went on, say, Twitter or Instagram, I can almost bet you I will read one bad news for you. 
like right now, if I were to you know, you, make a bet with you. You know what I think is unfathomable for many people that live in free spaces or in free nations or in nations where democracy is thriving or where there is a respect for the rule of law and where there is respect for the dignity of citizens. What is unfathomable is the fact that people can get gunned down. Sometimes it's just as they go about their normal business and not even by criminals, but by their own government. And Mm -hmm. what I want to focus on at this moment, as you've given us this backdrop of what is happening in Nigeria, is how you found yourself at the center of a movement that had begun with young people in Nigeria, the very same young people you're talking about who are being shot on trains and who are being abused. Something happened. Do you want to just paint a picture for us as what happened in 2017 when the NSARS movement began? So, you know, the NSARS movement, or should I say slogan initially was coined, I think a bit much earlier, I think 2016, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, it was more like a conversation you see online. Mm -hmm. It was actually more recently in 2020 where a video of a young man in the region I was born in, which I mentioned earlier, surfaced online. And the story we were seeing basically was that policemen had gunned down a young man and stole his Lexus Jeep. Oh my goodness. You know, I, I don't think I can really explain how I felt when I saw that story. And so that was the, in the incident that sparked the outrage. Mm. Okay. Mm. And so then young people, especially the creative industry, which I must give credit to, you know, an artist called Runtown, another one called Falls, you know, they said it's enough is enough. You know, we've got to protest police brutality. We've got to mm. get out onto mm. the streets. And, and this, this was is how young people. And this was young people responding to this gunning down of this young man by the special anti-robbery squad, S-A-R-S, which is where end SARS comes from because young people were saying, let's end this brutality by SARS. But this was the peak of it. It had already been happening, hadn't it? Of course. Of course it had been. So take us through what happens. This video surfaces, this young man is gunned down by the police. They steal his car. Then what happens? I mean, they drive away with the car. You know, we we don't see the end of that clip per se. But then again, like I said, it's very similar to everything that happens in the country, especially when it comes to police brutality. You know, zero accountability. You know, we don't know who did it. You know, we don't have an authoritative figure come out and say, we condemn this behavior. Mm -hmm. We're looking into this. There's an investigation. Nothing of the sort. And so you know, young people hit the streets. And the beauty of NSARS, right, is actually what Nigeria is supposed to be. I I don't know if that makes any sense. It's Mm. the true essence of Nigerians. And I say this because our leaders for the longest time benefit from sowing discord, benefit from dividing us, benefit from promoting one religion over the other. Mm-hmm. You, you understand what I'm saying? Acting like we can't live together, acting like we can't work together. And so the NSARS protests showed something that they not only did they not want us to see that, but they were afraid of. Mm-hmm. Young people from different parts of the country, different religion, different ethnicity came together and we were saying one thing, mm-hmm. stop killing us. And at the same time, we were advocating for the police. You've got to increase their wages. 
You've got to conduct psychological evals. Mm. You've got to give them better housing. Mm. You've got to do more for the police force so that they stop robbing us, they stop killing us, and they stop raping us. This is just the fact. And so while we were doing all of this and, and calling for the government to do so, mind you, I had gone to play a show and I, had, I was flying back into Lagos and I sent out a tweet asking where the nearest protest is. And I remember I got so many responses from people telling me different locations. And someone even said to me, you might find it difficult to get out of the airport because DJ Switch, I, there. I want to stop you there because this is a pivotal moment in your own life and in the evolution of this protest, this end SARS protest, you are getting off a plane coming from doing a show. What makes you decide to find where a protest is to get involved? It's wrong, Evan. It's just, it's, it's, it's just wrong. Hmm. I don't want to believe that I live in a world where we see what is wrong and we're just quiet. Right. It's wrong. It's wrong on every single level you can think of. There was no agenda for young people. We just don't want to die. There was no agenda for young people. We just want our government to care for us as they promised that they would, to provide a safe environment for us to be able to live in our own home. It is wrong. Wow. And it's simply that for me. Wow. I want to take a moment just to dwell on that statement that you've said. It is wrong. We don't want to die. And just thinking about how many people think about whether they will live or die by simply stepping outside the door of their home. I think a lot of people who live in free societies don't think about that because they live in societies where there is a respect for the rule of law, or at least there's some level of that respect. But I want you to take us through. You decide this is wrong. We don't want to die. What do you do next? And walk us through what begins to unfold after you make this decision. And so I joined the protest that very day. I remember my driver, I had put my stuff in the car. I said, drop me off at the protest ground and go home. And he's like, no, he's going to be with me. And so that was day one. And day two, of course, he's gone home to his family. I keep going to protest. You know, I drive, park my car, walk down to the toll gate because I live close to the toll, or I lived rather close to the toll gate. Mm. But uh, on the 20th of October, while we were protesting, in fact, before we started protesting, when I got there, I realized that there was no one on this, you know, makeshift stage that was there. It's like a flatbed truck. And there were so many people, I'm talking about thousands of young people were there. And of course, I'm a DJ, you know, I'm very comfortable on stage. And it made no sense to me to have, hey, see people just wandering about, you know, and being idle. Mm -hmm. So I got, and got back there and I asked if I could get on stage and if I could use the mic. And one of the people that struck me as an organizer was like, sure, absolutely. And so I got on stage. This was almost midday. Mm -hmm. And I was on stage for hours up until the most horrific thing happened. Wait, 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 was, wait. Yeah. Let's just understand this picture. You show up where there are thousands of people gathered. You are a DJ. There is a stage. Nothing is happening on stage. You decide I'm going to get up on that stage and I'm going to begin to use my craft and my talent 
somehow to capture the energy that is here. Absolutely. Without even touching a DJ console. Without even touching a DJ console? No. What, what were you doing? I want to understand. What were you doing on the stage? I was talking. You, you're, you're my fellow African. You know what the term ginger means, right? I think uh-huh. everyone knows what the term ginger means. So, <laughs> because the way I saw it is when there's nothing to do, that's when you start possibly seeing some sort of like, you know, just rowdiness. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so to make sure that there's still organization, I decided to talk to people. I was educating people on their fundamental human rights, you know, what to do if they get arrested, is bail free or not in in a country like Nigeria, stuff like that. And there was a DJ anyway by the side. And then I would cue the DJ to play one of those really socially conscious songs, maybe something from Fela, you know, maybe something from Idris Abdul Karim, maybe something from P-Square, Oga Policio, Waiting Bidisio, you know, and then get everyone Mm -hmm. pumped up and then settle them down again, start talking. And then I also had a phase where I started asking people who had experienced brutality at the hands of SARS or just police people in general to come one by one on stage and sort of tell their story briefly, Mm. you know. So Mm. we were together. It was peaceful. It was productive. So you literally begin to educate and you begin to collaborate with people. I want to know where... Where did you get the education? I mean, when I talk about the education, I'm talking about the sense of knowing, not only knowing what your rights are, but the sense of teaching it to others. Is this something that you knew already as a person or it's something that you just began to piece together even as you are on stage? Yeah. I mean, of course, I do know my rights, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, unfortunately, this might sound strange to a lot of people, especially your foreign audience. Many people don't know their rights back home. Mm-hmm. Many people just don't. And that's because we've lived in a country or we still live in a country where your rights have been trampled on so much that you actually genuinely don't know them. Mm. You genuinely don't even know what you're supposed to do or say. So a policeman comes into your house, kicks down your door and starts to take your things or starts to just beat you up for no reason. Some people don't even know to ask for search warrants. Mm. It's something as simple as that. And the police people themselves are not even coming with one. So it's crazy, you know, so stuff like that. I've always known my rights. I think my skill, my stage craftsmanship has to do with my own talent itself and being a performer. So I think that came a bit easier to me to do. It wasn't Mm -hmm. hard for me Mm -hmm. to say I could get on stage to talk to these people. It was more important. It was necessary for me to do and I had the skill to do it. So you were up on this stage, you were talking to people, you were directing the DJ with the music to play, and you were at this toll gate. It's a lucky toll gate. It's September of 2020, I gather. October. October, sorry. And what begins to happen? So while we were on stage, I remember a young boy coming up to me by the side. At this point, someone was telling their story of uh, police brutality. And a young boy came to me and he said, he wants to show me something. Now, the toll gate is managed by a company, right? The LCC. And so he said he just saw an LCC staff dismantling the CCTV cameras. I said, really? Then the boy, good on the boy too. He took a picture. And so we went and looked at it. So I didn't even think anything cynical. I just said, maybe they don't want us to destroy their property. Of course, we were not being destructive. We gathered there every day. We protest and then we clean up after ourselves. It's incredible when, when I tell you the, the character 
of these young people we're talking about. And so I just thought, hey, maybe they think we might destroy their equipment. Never mind, it's okay. But not long after, the street lights were turned off. Trust me when I tell you that, that the lights at the toll gates, they don't go off. Okay. Even when we suffer serious epileptic power supply in the country, the lights at the toll gate does not go off. Mm. And so the lights went off and we're like, okay, maybe they just really want us out of here. Before I could even really understand what was happening or rather why the lights had gone off, gunshots just rang all over the place. And I need you to understand something. I can't explain to you how I felt. I, I just can't. I only knew you could hear the gunshots is coming from behind me. And we start screaming on the microphone. There was another lady that was there. I met her that day. And we were just screaming, brace, everyone get down, get down, brace. You know, and you don't even know what you're about to see. You just think, who's attacking us? Who's shooting at us? Mm. And so while we're bracing on the floor and I first see the boots walk up, and I raised my head a little bit just to see it was the Nigerian army. Now we're waving our flags. We're singing the national anthem because we want them to know we're not here to cause problems. We are your citizens. We're young people. The national anthem is supposed to be some sort of signal for other Nigerians. I've always believed that. And I'm sure many young people that they believed the same thing. Wow. I can't really talk about this today. I don't think I really, I knew we're going to talk, but I don't think I mentally prepared myself. It's been a while I, I shared the story, mm-hmm. but um, we were surrounded by them. And then I said to myself, okay, I know my country. I know they're going to hide this. I know nobody's going to know what happened here. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I resigned in my mind. I don't know. I still say till today, I, till tomorrow, I don't even know. I just pulled out my phone and decided to live stream the madness that I was witnessing. And even while I was on there, I, I genuinely thought that's the end of my life. This is it. I believed that. And I kept on saying to people, please record my life, record my life. And somewhere in my mind, I just believed I wasn't going to make it. I always talk about one boy who I don't know. I don't know his name. I had never met him. I can't remember his face. It breaks my heart. But I think that boy saved me because he was lying on top of me and screaming, cover her. I have no idea why he was doing that. That boy was shot on his back, his lower back. I am grateful to that boy. When a person decides that they want their freedom back, sometimes sometimes they do things that to you and I, don't make sense. And here's DJ Switch telling us that people are being shot at a protest, a protest that is legal according to the constitution of their country. And as she's recording this shooting, this brutal attack, she doesn't know whether she will live or die. And somebody takes it upon themselves to protect her as she's recording this madness. And that young man is killed by a bullet that was going to kill the very person we're talking to today. DJ Switch, I know that this is um, a difficult subject matter to explore, and I know this from my own experiences. There's no easy way to deal with this, to live with it. 
You know, you would think that in a place where your own national army is attacking and you begin to sing the national anthem, you would think that there is going to be a moment of sanity where someone holding the gun recognizes that this is the person I'm supposed to be protecting. As a member of the defense force of a nation, these are the people I'm supposed to be defending, but that doesn't happen in this moment. I want to move on from this moment because I, I know how difficult it is. And for any of our listeners, if you want to do your own research, we welcome you to do that. And uh, if you search for end SARS movement, hashtag end SARS, E-N-D-S-A-R-S, uh, you'll see the various experiences and some of the videos that DJ Switch is talking about. And you'll read some of the testimonies of what people went through. I want to transition us uh, as best as I can forward with our conversation and ask you a little bit about your understanding of what freedom is. What does that mean to you as a person? Freedom. <laughs> you know, the fact that my life and the lives of so many young people blew up simply because we are literally pleading with a supposed elected government. The fact that our lives have been blown up, mm. it gave me a different understanding. Nobody, and I want to say this categorically, nobody in my country is free. You may think that you're not locked up. Some people's, you know, very generic definition of freedom might be at least I'm not locked up, I'm not in jail, but no one in Nigeria is free. I don't say this lightly. Not even our elected, or like I said, supposed elected officials and the ones who got into office by duping and fraudulently getting themselves in there, not even them. Freedom is not just a state of being, it's also a state of mind. And while we are in a mental bondage back home, and many are in physical bondage, and many can't speak. I mean, a young man criticized someone holding a political office in the North, and he was tracked to his house to be arrested mm. for having an opinion. Freedom is not just physical entrapment of sorts. We're all in bondage in that country in one way or the other, mm. including the political elite, they're not free from our constant criticism of their work or their inability to work, mm. of their very poor track record. So yes, they may move around a bit easier than, uh, or rather much more easier than, than people like me, mm. but we're all still trapped in one way or the other. And this is why it breaks my heart because it takes you to do the right thing. Do your job, actually. No one is even actually telling you to do something else. Just do your job, the job mm. that you're supposed to be doing just so that we can live better lives, a peaceful life. And the only work will now be on us to actually do or make something out of our lives. But we can't even do that when we have to look left and right over our shoulders all the time. I'm hearing you define freedom. And part of what I want to ask you is when you then look at places where freedom 
is celebrated or where freedom is promoted. I want to ask you, what does that freedom look like for those of us who come from places where there is no freedom? When we see what is called the free world or places in which democracy, genuine, legitimate democracy is practiced. Would you tell me about how that makes you feel or what your thoughts are about what you see in free societies? Envy. I envy these societies you're talking about in a good way. I wish we had that, you know, and at the same time, disappointment. And I say disappointment because I come across a lot of people from many of these free societies you're talking about who don't seem to understand or even appreciate their freedom. I don't say this lightly, trust me. Sometimes, I mean, someone might argue, hey, you can't blame me, you know, I've not particularly experienced what you've experienced, which is true. But the world has become much smaller now thanks to the invention of the internet, thanks to the invention of social media. We share each other's stories very easily now. And then I still sit back and see some people play with their freedom, play with their democracy, lie about things just in order to, like I say, keep themselves in a position of power. Let me cite an example. I'd use the United States of America, for example. This is one democracy that you know is quite admired around the world. It's also one of the things that makes America a great country. But then when I look at the news these days and, and I see, for example, say the former president Donald Trump, for instance, and his rhetoric, it's okay to have an opinion on something, but it is wrong to use your influence to mislead people. That is how you start to put cracks in that freedom, that democracy. So I can cite other examples for you, but mm -hmm. I would like people to maybe just pause for a second and look outside their window. And when I say they're outside their window, outside their, you know, digital window into the world, into other parts of the world where my career came to a full stop because I wanted to speak the truth. And even after being threatened, if, even after everything, I still found refuge in a place that is not my home. Mm. And that's because societies like the one you're referring to, they have this thing that I envy, this freedom, the freedom to speak, the freedom to have a difference of opinion, but be honest in your difference of opinion. Don't take for granted what you have. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you get me. But Absolutely do. I love the fact that you're talking about the coexistence of different opinions and it's the peaceful coexistence of different opinions because that is the bedrock of a democratic society that we are able to speak our minds to each other and we're able to do so respectfully we're able to do so peacefully but we are able to do so and because honestly I, and honestly and because honestly. i think you and me come from nations where before you even get to honestly expressing an opinion, expressing the opinion itself is very easily an illegality, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. So I want to just bring us into a place of looking at how people in the free world 
can protect their democracy, how they can strengthen their democracy, how important that is. Because I think sometimes there is a lack of understanding that the democracy you have is not just important for you in your own country, but it's important for people in other countries. And I want to pick your mind on that. When you look at citizens in the free world, how would you encourage them in terms of dealing with their democracy, especially during these times where globally democracy is under threat when we look at what is happening in Ukraine, what has happened in Belarus, what has happened in Hungary, and really what is unfolding in many nations across the world. How would you pull out lessons from Nigeria and your experience to lend to those who live in free societies? It is a great question, but, you know, I think I would struggle to find what to pull out, you know, anymore because this conversation we've had so far is lesson enough or a highlight of an example enough. But now this might sound naive to many people out there who might say you don't understand the intricacies of governance and stuff like that. That may be true. I'm not a politician. But if you look at the core issue, we've lost our humanity and we are very dishonest people. You can start a war with a lie. Mm. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? Mm. You can start mm. a war with a lie. For whatever agenda a lot of these people have, I often wonder if it is worth the lives of human beings. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what color of skin you have. We've been lied to for so long that people don't even want to have a conversation, talk less of listening. Mm. And this is why I keep going back to honesty. Be honest about what it is you are doing. In that process, you would reduce the amount of gaslighting. You will gaslight people. Mm. The retired general, General Buratai Takur, so I think his name is Takur Buratai. He said, this is after young people were killed for no reason. And, And mind you, after the army left, I have a feeling they left because they probably got some information that they were now the subject of discussion around the world. I didn't even know the world was watching that live broadcast at that point. You know, when they left, police people came afterwards and also opened fire. I don't want people to ever forget that information because it happened. Mm. And General Buratai said, no one was killed at the toke, that we were seeing double. Do you understand how that can gaslight people? Wow where you begin to make us question our sanity because you are in a position of power, Mm. then they use that same power to threaten media houses not to talk about this issue. More lies, more problems. Mm. Dishonesty will not solve anything. Again, this might sound naive to people. That's why I'm not a politician. I don't like politics at all. Yeah. But the day we start telling ourselves the truth. And, and you see, when, when we pointed out the difference of opinion, that's what a democracy is, yes. But be honest about it. Be right. honest about what you stand for and how can it affect or help people. Be honest about it. Don't lie that a big giant, you know, gorilla is coming out from the corner of your, you know, the back of your house so that people do what, run away and, and, and set the place on fire. These are how these things happen. One lie needs to be covered up. People feel angry 
People don't listen anymore. They don't want to talk anymore. So my advice to free societies is don't forget we are a part of one species, one race. That's all I see, humanity. Let's Mm. be honest with each other. Protect Mm. the freedom that you have. And if you need examples, like you said, Google NSARS, Google any (laughs) situations are happening left, right and center Mm. back, back home and you will see. DJ Switch, listening to your story is both heartbreaking and in some ways inspiring. When I hear you talk about the risks that you have taken and the things that you have done, I want to ask before we, we wrap up our conversation today concerning that which keeps you going because you are not the person who has given up on the fight. You continue to this day. What is it that has continued to drive you beyond the brutality that you saw, beyond even the risks that still lie within the work that you have begun for Nigeria? Tell me, what is it that still motivates you? You know, as as a creative, right, we're very imaginative, you know what I mean? Mm. When we create music and, and we see we see it in our in our mind and and what it could be like just before putting the beat down or, or, you know, before picking up that microphone or picking up the pen rather to write the song, you imagine how people would respond to it. You know, it's a beautiful process in the mind. For me, I'd say the possibility, I can see what Nigeria can be. You know, I can see it. The possibility drives me. I may not see this change. Hell, I will bet on it that I wouldn't see this change. I would outlive every single effort I'm making. Hmm. Many of us will. Many of our children will. Many of our grandchildren will. Just maybe it'd be better for my great-grandchild or my great-great-grandchild. The possibility is there. But if we don't do anything in whatever capacity we can, there's a lot that I do that I don't particularly publicize because it's not really my style. Mm -hmm. But when I do them, I do it because of that possibility, that which Nigeria can be. I imagine it. I love it. So I want to contribute no matter how small no matter how big, this is why we constantly ask people, do something. Mm. Because if we don't do anything at all, forget about imagining anything else. It will just continue getting bad and worse and worse. So what the work we start today, I'm pretty sure down the line, our children's children's children will reap it and it will be worth it. Mm. I so agree with you on many levels in what you have said right there, the vision, what your mind's eye sees about what Nigeria could become, what your mind sees about what your children will one day enjoy, that which you know you will not see, but that you know your children will see. I want to quickly spotlight the work you are doing right now. Renovate Nigeria. Tell us a little bit about this new journey that you've begun as you continue your work from what you saw and what you were involved in at the Lekki Toll Gate, but more importantly, what your heart desires the most for Nigeria. Tell us about Renovate Nigeria. 
Thank you. Renovate Nigeria, I'm seeking to create a platform for socially conscious creatives only and using art to promote democracy, human rights and equality. I think you and I can both agree, and I'm sure a good percentage of your audience can agree that if we look at the content we consume these days, there's not much to be inspired by. You know, I've been guilty of it myself, but there's not a lot you can look at and say, I'm inspired by the song. And, and I remember Fela and Nicola Kukuti, you know, he's late now, but a conscious fighter, an artist, a legend in, in mm. the eyes of many around the world. And he used his music for freedom. You know, he talked about situations going on in the country. We don't have a lot of that anymore. There's more negativity that is being spread around and is affecting these young kids that we're trying to create a better place for. Mm. And so if we're done creating a better place for these young kids and they've got corrupt minds and, you know, they don't appreciate hard work anymore. They're looking for how to get rich quick. A lot of them involve in a lot of bad stuff. And that's because they see things that they learn from. Then what will they do with that better place we've created? It's worrisome to think about. So that's what Renovate Nigeria will be catering to. Socially conscious creatives doing more conscious creative content and putting it out there. And I think your last question was, what is my vision for Nigeria? Correct. Um, let me quickly say, Nigeria truly is a beautiful place with beautiful people. We're naturally like happy people. I think we're ranked like one of the happiest people in the world or something. I want to see a young, educated man or woman at the helm of things. Someone with vision, someone with intelligence, you know, for our country, not just at the presidential level, but way down to the local government level. I want Nigeria to have a face that represents us. Nigeria is predominantly like, a, it's a young nation, okay, with majority of young people in the country. So I would like to see that, but not just a young face, but an innovative leader, an innovative thinker, someone who would take Nigeria forward, someone who would utilize the resources that we have we are blessed to have all of those resources, but then you still hear the craziest things. We still import things we have. It's such a waste. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I want to see Nigeria where Nigeria ought to be. The giant of Africa right now is just a name and it's even a shameful one at this point. We should mm -hmm. do away with it if mm -hmm. we're not going to step up to that title, the giant mm -hmm. of Africa. Wow. Wow. I have to tell you, DJ Switch, listening to your story today has inspired that understanding once again that if as an individual I decide with what I have and where I am to involve myself passionately, wholeheartedly for the defense of that which benefits other people, I can make an impact beyond what I imagined. And I think this is sure. part of the lesson as I listen to the anguish in your voice concerning the things that you went through, but more importantly, the things that the young people of Nigeria have gone through. There is a powerful resonance in your voice that it's time for people everywhere 
in Nigeria, in America, in Ukraine, in Europe, in, in Asia. It's time for people to take the defense of their freedom personally and to believe that it is within their reach to create beauty out of ashes. And so I want to thank you for taking the time today to tell us the story of Nigeria, the story of DJ Switch, not just the past, but to also walk us into, into the future of that story. And just say power to you, my sister. Thank you so much for taking the time to be vulnerable, to open up and to let us have a look on the inside of that which you, you hold so dearly in your heart. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Dear friends, wherever you are, wherever you're listening from today, whether you are in Brazil, whether you're in Venezuela, whether you are perhaps in Iran, or maybe even you've caught this podcast, you are in China, or you are in Ukraine, or you are in Zimbabwe, or you are in Nigeria. This is the front lines of freedom, where we talk about believing in democracy once again and taking it personally because that's what freedom is. It is a personal matter. Today, we're hugely inspired. Today, we're taught listening to DJ Switch that it's not enough to mind your own business, to hop onto planes and buses and just continue as if nothing is happening. We are taught that at some point, we must stop and ask ourselves, what will I do with what I have? Will I jump onto an empty stage where there are people waiting to hear a voice or will I just watch from a distance and hope that someone else does it? Today, I'm here to let you know that the struggle for democracy, the struggle for freedom cannot be outsourced. It takes you and it takes me. And the hope of freedom for humanity lies in all of us. Thank you for journeying with us. Frontlines of Freedom is brought to you by Renew Democracy Initiative, where we are focused on pulling the democracy of the free world and the globe from the brink. Subscribe to this podcast and much more at rdi.org forward slash subscribe. Join us again for our next episode.